0: Welcome to the Extending Eden Podcast, where we explore stories of life in the Kingdom of God. My name is Daniel Chang, and you are listening to part two of our two-part episode entitled Language. Enjoy!
1: Yeah, are, are you all familiar with the, the Rotary Club? So it's, uh, uh, and are you familiar with their four-way test? So there's... Oh, it's 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 a great story. You can you can find it on Wikipedia. Um, I work with a, a bunch of Rotarians, and some of the students that come to to Duke have a Rotary scholarship. So the four way test for communication, but also for business practices, it came out of the business world. Is uh, is it the truth? So if somebody asks me, "What do you do?" I, I have to tell them the truth. That's why I don't like. You know, some people say, well, if somebody asks me, I don't want to tell them I'm a pastor, so I say I'm in leadership development. And uh, I don't know, that doesn't ring true for me. Um, Some people say I'm a life coach. And that might be true if you're a certified, licensed life coach and you, you know, have a business doing that. But I think for a lot of people, you're just, it's not really the truth. So is it true? The second one is: Is it fair? Right? Am I am I being fair to you? And you know, uh, like our missionary friend uh, in India, it's not fair to say, "Oh yeah, I'm I, I'm one of those bad colonial people. You you shouldn't trust me." That's not that's not really fair. It's also not fair if you're manipulating somebody to get them to do what you want. Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Right? So so I, I understand why the pastor who gets on a plane might not want to answer the question, hey, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. Because every other time they've answered that question, conversation was done. and It was, you know, two hours of silence on the plane instead of a friendly conversation. But you have to find a way that's true and fair, uh, builds goodwill. And then the fourth test is will it be beneficial to all concerned? All right? So so I think revealing your cards, but in a way that doesn't box you in, uh, I, I think I think that's the the goal. So one of the fun things I like about Gary is one reason why he, uh, introduces himself different every time is because he describes everything different every time. <laughs> so I, I remember one time he, uh, he asked me, uh, how are you doing? I said, uh, I'm very busy. He said, oh, I'm never busy. Uh, I am, however, sometimes meaningfully engaged in activities that I care much about. I was like, oh, that sounds like busy to me. <laughs> but it's it didn't box him in. If he said, I'm busy, oh, yeah, I'm busy too. Okay, see you later. I'm meaningfully engaged in activities I care much about. Well, that's true. It's fair. It builds goodwill and better friendships. And it will be beneficial. So maybe I'm going to think like, wow, why am I busy? Am I meaningfully engaged? So am I doing things I care about? Or am I just busy? So, so I think uh, I I really like this four way test as a way to evaluate am I am I actually communicating or am I am I just dodging something?
0: I think I think that that's that's really cool. It's actually the first time I've heard of it. Um, the one thing that strikes me about that is a lot of it assigns value, right? Truth. You know, absolute, relative, fair, fair to who builds goodwill, goodwill between who, and beneficial to all concerned. Is you know how do you define beneficial? If if you know you have a certain worldview that things people have to all do this to be beneficial, is that necessarily beneficial to them? Is it beneficial to them? You know, is that worldview correct? So I think th- I think it's a great foundation. Um, ultimately, is you know, where we come from and where they come from, you know, the, the gap may still be too big to span. I think if we share similar worldviews, um, that would be, you know, very easy. But if someone comes where it's a very different perspective, um, then still there, there could still be space there. And I think that's where ultimately, I like Gary's concept of lovingly serve. You want what's best for them. And I think the, the humility, the listening that you mentioned, Dean, as well, is learning what that means for that person. And, you know, we, we have a, a worldview of what's, Beneficial for us as individuals, or for us as a community, um, or as the kingdom in general, but uh, you know, people may not subscribe to that and may not be ready to hear where we're at. And to, to be able mm-hmm. to get to that level and know where that is, I think is is important um, to be able to do.
1: Yeah, if you circle all the way back around to Gary's first comments about uh, the lost versus you know, or the spiritually dead. Versus the disconnected. Um, w- when you acknowledge that you're disconnected and you're talking to somebody, and you say, uh, "Yeah, you sound you sound spiritually disconnected," I I know what that feels like. So, uh, a word like disconnected has the potential to put us in the same boat. Right, it has the potential to say, "Yeah, you feel disconnected. I feel disconnected too." Now, it is also true that there's a difference between being spiritually alive and spiritually dead. So, uh, communication is is not about dodging what's hard, but you know, laying the groundwork for saying what's hard, right? Um, so if I start off with, uh, hello, my name's Dean, and uh, seems to me you're spiritually dead, and uh, I'd like to fix that for you. <laughs> Which is
2: exactly uh, how someone might hear it, if, yeah, you're, not, if you're really yeah. not thinking about it. Even if you don't say those words, you can communicate that idea in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're just a, another guy with something to sell.
2: I was thinking back to uh, one of the early books that I read. Uh, that begin to reshape how I think about language. And it's a bit of a stunner for me. Uh the book is called Um Communicating the Gospel of God's Way. I think it's the right title, Communicating the God's, Gospel of God's Way. It's about Charles Kraft. I think it's at a Fuller fullest seminary or something, something like that. And um, and he made a statement, and I'll just read you the statement because I wrote it down the other day. It's he said, this is one of the a quote, I think, pretty close. It seems to me utterly inexcusable for tr- the translators of the New Testament to reduce nearly thirty Greek words used in the New Testament for communicating the two words "preach" and "proclaim." Hmm. And I thought that has been uh, the our. Our um, lack of
0: understanding when you read can, the New Testament. Can you say that again? So there was 30 Greek words that got translated into two words.
2: Yeah, right. There are 30 Greek words that have been translated into the word preach or proclaim. Wow. Wow. So when you read the word preach or proclaim in the New Testament, you should understand that there are there are 30 other verbs. <laughs> it might, be, it could be one of those. And, uh, and so you should, un- you, if you make an assumption about how I'm going to communicate about this good news... Uh, you, you're choosing, you know, the model we're given is two things, you know, preach, proclaim. So I remember uh, doing a wedding a number of years ago, and uh, I was giving the charge to the bride and groom, and another friend was, or, or, or he wasn't a friend of mine, he, was, he wasn't my enemy, but he's just somebody I didn't really know very well, although he felt like my enemy more, more later. <laughs> when he said, standing before the wedding, he says, Man, I can hardly wait to get up there and preach the gospel to this crowd today. And and I looked at him, and I probably shouldn't have done this, but I looked at him and I says, I said, in case you've forgotten, your job here today is to help this couple become a married couple so they can point their word their life towards Christ. I says, preaching the gospel to this crowd is not your task. So I object to what you said. And so there was a kind of little hush fell over the crowd at that moment. <laughs> but uh it, it was so so out of place, so wrong to think that this was this opportunity to quote, share the gospel. And so we I think we often do that. We think this opportunity comes up. It's so I'm gonna preach the gospel right now, I'm gonna proclaim the gospel. And so that our language pattern fits into those two categories. Mm-hmm. But there are at, at least the New Testament writers thought there were 30 other verbs you could use to des- to describe that 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 uh, way of talking because uh, well it's just just a powerful thought you know that, to rethink how do I what's the right way for me to talk right now? What's the right thing to say? Uh, so so uh, I bought a boat uh, a number of years ago, my first boat and y'all can tell me if I've told this story again so before could you just slap me or something
1: can you see us roll our eyes
2: <laughs> yeah we're rolling your eyes and I, it's body language and I will know that I should stop but I don't think I've told y'all this I, I bought this boat and it, it was it was a, a little plastic boat it was 12 foot long and uh because I just really wanted a boat and and uh so and G and I like to get out on the boat on the water so we bought this little boat and I I mean, I fixed that boat up in my garage, like, awesome. I put, like, I installed fishing rod holders on it, and I, you know, I just did a bunch of little things to it. I did some new wiring, so I did a second battery, so the, the first battery ran out. It was a battery-powered little boat, you know. And, and, and note, it was 12 foot long. And so the first day we take the boat out into the water, the two of us get out there, and it's kind of windy, and we had about two inches of freeboard, so meaning that there was about, from the top of the boat to where the water could come in is about a two inch gap yeah two inches about that much little tiny bit of space and so we're out there on the boat and i'm thinking and julia can't swim (laughs) this is a terrifying moment so i managed to get the boat turned around and get back to shore and put it back on the little carriage and pull it back up and i realized man i have just spent a thousand dollars on this boat that (laughs) it's not a boat (laughs) This is is a really good planter, but it's not a boat.
0: What's the quote? I'm going to need a bigger boat. I'm going to definitely need a bigger boat. And so
2: I, you know, and what I also realized was I had been sold something that was called a boat that wasn't a boat. Mm. And so I, you know, a few days later, when it was time, I I drove to the boat dealership and uh, and started explaining to the, the guy that sold me the boat, what had happened. And he says, well, he says, just don't go out on windy days. (laughs) <laughs> i said well I, I mean i could and i said, I said you're right you know and, and he was kind of a burly dude so i didn't feel like i really wanted to tackle him you know or have a big fight with him and so it's you know that actually there was some physical intimidation because he was bugged by the fact that i was raising this issue and i was being really trying to be really careful about it and uh and so i you know i said well you know i it's, it's really not a boat <laughs> it, it, it won't do what it's supposed to do and He says, "Well, he says, I'll just wait till summer. You know, when it's warmer, and you, you, and go on a pond. Don't go on a big lake." And you know, so (laughs) my boat's getting smaller by the second. And and at that point, I was getting, you know, unhappy. Uh, You know, probably a lesser person would say they were angry, (laughs) but I was I was certainly unhappy and about to get angry. And uh, and the Spirit of God just spoke to me pretty clearly, and and I looked at him and I said. I says, you know, you're right. I bought the boat. I made the decision. You sold it to me. It'll float, and it's a boat. And and uh, but what I bought is I bought something that doesn't serve the purposes that I need. And I says, and I know that's not something that you actually would want to do, but I did it, and it was my decision. So I, you know, I'm not, I can't hold y'all responsible. I said, and you know what? I want your business to succeed so maybe from this you could learn a little something about maybe how to help people think it I says and if you don't mind I just want to pray and ask God to bless your business right now and I put my hand right on his shoulder I said reach right up and put my hand right on his shoulder and just ask God to bless him and his business and I said thanks man appreciate it and I, and I said I'm sorry I came to you and I, I kind of was a little upset and I'm sorry I was that way and I turned around and walked away and, and as I got to the car he said hey and I turned back around and I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we're going to have a fight. Yeah, he says, come come on back. He said, I'm, I'm going to give you your money back. And he gave us my money back. Wow. And I thought, well, see, did the gospel go out? Yes. See, he, he acted in a kingdom way.
1: Mm.
2: He acted like a person who was being embraced by the kingdom of God, and it touched his heart, and he found a way to do good. Which, if I recall, the Bible seems to say something about that. What you should do is do good, and so I told him that. I said, "You know what? You did. You just did good, and I really appreciate that." You know, and he gave me my money back, and I left uh, with out a boat. You, you didn't buy a bigger boat. I did. did it I bought a the f- business. I, I, I <laughs> bought a broken down fifteen-foot boat, and it took months, months to rebuild it. <laughs> But it was was good. It was good. But anyway, I just think about this idea of preach and proclaim. If that's what we think we need to do, or the language we need is language that fits that category, you know, know, we won't won't communicate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, we we won't communicate as often as we should. And for sometimes we will communicate And preaching and proclaiming are excellent things to do at the right time and in the right place. But those are not the only things to do. And that's the basis. That's to me is the, the heartbeat of the language question is, am, am I communicating the language I'm using? Does it communicate, mm-hmm. the, the, meaning does De- Dean began, began our conversation about what it looks like to be for communication to happen? And I, and I highly recommend the book if anybody's ever interested in reading it again. Charles Craft, Communicating the Gospel of God's Way, and uh, it's really it's a short book, it's probably you know, under a hundred pages or so, something like that. But it's 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 a uh, well worth your investment of time.
1: You know, maybe a, a a passage that we could look at to to end with is you know I I, I, I think some people would look at Colossians four, uh, verse five. And uh, maybe draw some overly narrow conclusions like what you've been talking about. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders making the most of your opportunity. And they might focus on that word, make the most of the opportunity. You know, this is your chance. You, you better preach it. But they, they skip over the word wisdom. Conduct yourselves with wisdom. Wisdom making the most of the opportunity it's not wise to run in with the same offense every single play right it depends on what you're facing they, they also miss the verse that came before and the verse that came after the verse that comes after says your speech must always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so seasoning is to make something taste better this is not, you know, salt as a disinfectant, you know, rub it in the wound. It'll hurt, but it'll heal you. Seasoned with salt so that it tastes good. So that you will know how you should respond to each person. Right? That's that's not a that's not a cookie cutter answer. And Paul knew how important was that in verse four, right before, verse three and four, he says, Will you pray for me so that so that i may make it clear in the way that i ought to proclaim it so paul knew you, there's a way to communicate and it should be gracious it should be tasty it should be attractive that's what communication is right right it's it's serving the good food the nutritious food in an attractive way, it's not watering it down. That's not nutritious, and that's not tasty.
0: Thanks, Dean. That, you know, the word that comes to my mind here is humility. Um, a lot of times, we come into conversation thinking we know the answers. Um, yeah, what I'm what I'm getting from this is, I, I need more wisdom. I, I, I communicate a lot. Um, in some sense, I communicate for a living. Um, mm. um, but I think a lot of times. When, when I really want to communicate about, about uh, um, uh, life matters or spiritual matters is I, I need more humility. And I think if, if we think we know where we're coming from and where the other person is, um, we kind of skip that wisdom step and just try to, you know, go after them with a hammer. Um, and just even listening to Gary's story, I always, whenever I hear one of Gary's stories, I always think about what I would do. <laughs> and it usually kind of takes a different branch early on and probably would have come with the same outcome. Uh, which is why I don't have stories like that. Um, and we're, we're not all trying to have stories like that, but I, I think is just always being, you know, the, the humility that, that Gary demonstrated, you know, by really apologizing and confessing to this person whom he, he doesn't know where this his faith, you know, situation is um, and just expressing love and desire for blessing, you know, the other person and, you know, God moved in that person's heart. And so it's, it's, Something where, you know, he's putting his own needs, anger aside because of um, really loving, you know, the, the was it, lovingly serve attitude that he's been developing for decades. Um, that's the fundamental thing that drives what we do.
1: Would this be a good time to plug my uh, four-volume uh, set uh, of books on humility?
2: Yeah, I think this would be about the right time. Yeah.
1: yeah so, uh, volume. I think one. what you
2: said earlier was an ending.
1: <laughs> yes. 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 Well, well, you you got to end with sending people to the merch table, right? So. Now, is uh, it an
0: autograph set?
1: Uh, it it can be for a a, a small a low, low fee, fee, a low fee. So, or or the NPR guys, you know, the shameless commerce division. So so, uh, volume number one, and these are not light volumes, each one is quite substantial, is uh, humility and how I attained it. And uh, so you might learn some things like how to become Daniel from me in volume one. Uh, Volume two is pride and how I overcame it. Uh, That's fascinating reading. Uh, Three is the 10 most important people in the world and how I met the other nine. Uh, none of them are quite as interesting, but their stories are they are amusing. And the last one is
0: the Dosekis guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're—they're they're okay. Those guys are all right. Um, and the last one is you too can be like Dean Sterelli
0: Wow, what a chance! Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm working. Yeah, go
0: ahead. I would yeah. plug that.
1: Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay.
0: Don't offer too big a discount because the value of <laughs> that volume is tremendous. <laughs>